all doing? Every time I breathe, I got to quit breathing. See if I can do this without breathing. These eight days that uh, make up Passion Week, it's what we call Passion Week, the week of Christ's Passion, are contain some of the most significant things that have happened to the human race and for the human race. I think it's just the most important uh, accomplishment since the creation, and maybe even more so in some ways because Jesus came and produced a new creation, didn't he? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. So it's important that we understand some of the issues and the things that have happened in these eight days, starting on the Sabbath of Passover and ending on the first day of the week, eight days later. Someone has said this, I don't remember who it is, but they said, if the resurrection of Christ actually happened, then nothing else matters. But if the resurrection of Christ didn't happen, nothing matters at all. Listen to what Paul says. Now this is prefaced by several other verses and passages of scripture, where essentially Paul is saying, you're saying that the resurrection didn't happen. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. You're saying that the resurrection didn't happen. And if that's the case, then all those that are asleep have no chance of resurrection. All those who are alive have no chance of resurrection. Our only hope of resurrection is if Christ was raised. And if he was not raised, we are of all people most to be pitied because our hope, all of our hope, is placed upon and our lives are secured by our fundamental belief that Christ was raised from the dead. And then he says this, in verse uh, 20. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. Contrary to what you think, Christ has been raised from the dead. <clears throat> the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die also in Christ, all shall, may, shall be made alive. But each to his own, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Christ the firstfruits. He was the firstfruits of all the resurrected ones to come. He was the forerunner. He was raised, and in his resurrection, and our faith in him, we were raised. So our hope of resurrection is that Christ was raised. Okay, I don't want to get into Easter too much because Matt's going to do that next week. John the Baptist uh, baptized Jesus in the Jordan. Remember that? The dove came down from heaven. God said, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased and all this. John the Baptist was there. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus. He said that. He said, I baptize in water, but he who comes will baptize in the Holy Spirit. He is greater than I. He is, he is, I'm not even worthy of untying his shoes or tying his shoes. 
He's of a different rank than I. And then he was baptizing and he saw Jesus approaching. You remember what he said when he saw Jesus? What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I got a question for you. Was John the Baptist correct? Was he right? Did Jesus, in fact, take away the sins of the world? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now let's let that statement just stand on its own merit for a while, okay? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did that, right? Where did he take them? I don't really care where he took, took them. I'm just glad he did. <laughs> now, let it stand there and think about it a minute. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Don't you, don't you put an if on that. As soon as you put an if on it, it's not standing on its own, all right? Don't put an if on it. And like... Rick Manith said a couple of weeks ago, don't grab a butt and put on it either. <laughs> uh, don't put an if or a but to that statement. And you think about that and let it work inside of you. Let it work its way out into some logical conclusions about what Jesus accomplished. Okay? That's just some assignment for you to, to let that sink in and you think about it for a while it's true now here's another thought leading into what we call Palm Sunday which is today Jesus declared himself to be the great shepherd he said it of himself I am the great shepherd there are many instances where shepherd is applied to him and he refers to himself as shepherd. But the great shepherd is also a lamb. The great shepherd is a lamb. Also, many places in scripture he's described as being the lamb of God. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said of us in John 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Amen. Right? Yes. But he's also a lamb. He is the Lamb of God. He said, uh, Revelation uh, 4 and 5 says this. John was writing from Patmos Isle in exile, and he had this vision, and he said, a part of it, is, he said this. He said, at the end of it, I, I began to weep greatly because no one was able to open the book or to break its seals. And I saw a lamb, see, the lamb. I saw a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. And the four living creatures, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one of them having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, 
Worthy art thou, O Lord, to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and did purchase for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and has made them to be a kingdom and priests unto our God, and they shall reign upon the earth. The great shepherd becomes a lamb. Now think about this a minute. Even on human terms, the shepherd who loves the sheep, cares for the sheep, protects the sheep, does all of that. The sh- what if the shepherd became a lamb? He would know things about the lamb that he might not have known previously. In, in human terms, a human shepherd wouldn't. He would know how a lamb thinks. He would know the fears of a lamb, the actions of the lamb, the reason the lamb does what the lamb does in intimate detail. Now, Jesus became human, the shepherd becoming a sheep or a lamb. And I don't think God did that because he wanted Jesus to know what it was like to be a human, he already knows. I mean, God knows everything. Jesus knows everything. He became one of us, tempted as we are, facing the same trials that we do, the humanity of things in a fallen world. He faced all that and understood it, but he didn't do it so he could learn about us. He did it so we could learn about him. He could show us what it's like for a life to be lived among us and identify with us. God did it for us. He didn't do it for himself so he would understand what we were like. He did it for himself. The shepherd became a lamb for us. Okay, those are just a few thoughts leading up to this. We're going to talk about the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, that whole scenario. That's recorded in a Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to read that. Verse 1, it says, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent t- two disciples, saying, to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says some, uh, something to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now this took place that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted upon a donkey even upon a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid on them their garments on which he sat. And most of the multitude spread their garments in the road and others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. And the multitudes going before him and those who followed after were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. In Galilee. Okay, this was at Passover season when this took place. Uh, one, of the, one of the most important days in Jewish uh, history. There were thousands and thousands. The, the population of Jerusalem and the outskirts of Jerusalem at Passover uh, probably went to five to ten times as much as normal. There are many, many people gathered for the Passover season. As a matter of fact, all adult males within 20 miles of Jerusalem were required to come to Passover. They were also required to bring a lamb for sacrifice. But there were many other people there other than just them. People came from everywhere in that whole part of the, of the, of the world. They would come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover in the Passover season. So there were thousands of lambs that were brought for sacrifice every year. And it's been estimated that through, uh, I forgot what time period, they did some kind of a census that there were as many as 250,000 lambs that were sacrificed in the city of Jerusalem over a period of years, obviously. So this was a big deal to them all. And get the picture in your mind that at the exact same moment on, on the Sabbath prior to Passover, all these people, these heads of households, uh, sometimes they could gather families together if they were poor, and they, they, there were some exceptions and some uh, leeway given to them as far as the, the sacrifice of the lambs. But if you were capable, the head of each household would bring a lamb. So get this picture in your mind. As Jesus was entering the city to celebrate Passover under the law, all these thousands of people at the very exact same moment that he's coming into the city are also coming into the city leading a little lamb. Now you see the connection there already. Jesus being the lamb of God. He was the sacrificial lamb of God. As these lambs are going to be sacrificed, so was he. But an incredible picture. You have to understand, the, the people that had heard of Jesus, others were saying, who is this guy? Right? Who, you know, that didn't know, hadn't heard. But something big is going on here. Because these were a lot of people who were lining the path, who were going before him, laying out this, their, even their garments. They, they would lay out, and the, the branches, I mean, you think palm branches and things like that. And this was a uh, ritual that would be ordinarily welcoming a king. So they're acting like this guy is very, very significant, and a lot of people didn't know who he was. And they were saying things. What were, what were some that they were saying? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna essentially means save now. Save now. They were, a, they were an oppressed, depressed 
people. The Jews were. They were under Roman domination and had been for a long time. And this is following, you know, 400 years in Egypt and all of that kind of stuff that had taken place in their history. So they were, they, life was not good for them at all. And so they're saying, save us. They, they were saying, here is the king who has come to deliver us. He did do that, but he didn't fulfill their expectations in the way that they hoped he would or thought he would. But he did. He did what he set out to do. So they're celebrating the fact, hoping that he is going to deliver them. And so, into the city he comes. He gives word to his disciples, go find the, the, the the donkey and the foal that had never been ridden. This was filling a prophecy in Isaiah. And he came riding on the back of this little donkey foal who had never been ridden before. I don't know necessarily. Others have looked at that, but I don't have any idea of the significance of that necessarily. I just know that no one had ever ridden this foal before, and there's some significance to that. Now, as he came into the city, all the people that knew about him, and though some probably gathered that just wanted to know, they were very, very excited, and they received him like a king, which really is uh, very appropriate. Now remember, as Jesus came, all the other little lambs came too. This began these, this eight-day period of time that changed human history. This period of time fulfilled three of the major or three of the feasts of Israel that they kept every year. They keep every year. It fulfilled Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Those three feasts. All of those speak of Jesus. All of them. They speak of what he was going to do and what he did do in, in minute detail, actually. So on the Sabbath, at the beginning of Passover, the lambs were brought in to be examined by the priests. They didn't put extra priests on duty for all of this. These little lambs would be pinned up for four days and examined by the priests to find any fault in them. Because they were, just, they were supposed to bring lambs without spot or blemish or anything like that. They were to be perfect lambs. So they were taken to the priest. The priest examined them for four days. And then there would be a pronouncement over the, over the lambs. And the pronouncement was, I find or we find no fault in it. And then that lamb was sacrificed. That happened on Wednesday. The lambs were sacrificed on Wednesday. Saturday, Sabbath, four days later on Wednesday, the lambs were sacrificed at some time, probably around 3 p.m. because the, the days were from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. So this minutely, I mean, it, it perfectly follows the feast of Passover. And the feast of first fruits and unleavened bread. 
when the nation of Israel were leaving Egypt, you remember that? The Passover took place. All the stuff that happened in their exit. Um, this fits that pattern absolutely and totally. The Lamb of God was taken into captivity, jailed, so to speak, and he stayed there in captivity and suffered some for four days. The exact same schedule that the little lambs faced. Exact same schedule. Therefore, Jesus was crucified on Wednesday, sometime after 3 p.m. and before 6 p.m., because the lambs that were sacrificed, that ritual had to, had to uh, be accomplished. So they had to roast them by fire. All the things that they did at original Passover, they did again. The meat was consumed. The rest of it was burned. All that kind of stuff took place with those little lambs. And Jesus was crucified at the exact same moment those lambs were being sacrificed. Now, according to the feast... There had to be three days pass from the time of the sacrifice until resurrection. Three days, three full days. Not a day and a half of 12-hour periods or anything like that. So what I'm saying to you is, I'm sorry, but there's no such thing as Good Friday. Go ahead and celebrate it. It's great. It's wonderful. I have no bone to pick with that. I just want you to understand that really that's a fabrication of men, uh, not the scriptures, not the word. It's okay, celebrate it. I do. But that, it didn't happen on Friday. And uh, during that three-day period of time, there's some significant things that took place then. Jesus was in the grave three days. He was buried in the tomb sometime before 6 o'clock on that Wednesday, and he rose sometimes in the early morning hours of the first day of the week on Sunday, which is three days later. That's the reason we celebrate, Christian churches around the world celebrate on Sunday. And that's very appropriate because that's Resurrection Day. The first day of the week is when he rose. He spent three days in the grave. Do you know what he did during those three-day period of times or what significant things happened? You know some of it. He went to the prisoners and preached and all that kind of stuff. But one of the most significant things that happened is that he appeared before the Father. He appeared before God. Because first fruits, which is we're talking about now, um, when they left Egypt, it took them three days to come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted. You remember that story? It's a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. They passed down into the waters, the waters of death. They came up out of the water on the other side of the Red Sea, which is resurrection. They went down in and they came back up. They came out. <clears throat> so Jesus, on early morning hours of the first day of the week on Sunday, eight days later from when he started, was raised from the dead. And he appeared before the Father because first fruits in the old, old covenant, the priest had to take a sheaf, the first fruit sheaf 
of the harvest, the very first one that ripened, and they would take it to the priest, and the priest would wave it before God. And it says that in that wave offering of the first fruits, you are accepted. You're accepted. Well, we are accepted in our first fruit offering, which was Jesus himself. And he presented himself before the Father. And fulfilling first fruits. And we are accepted because he was accepted. That makes sense to you? So the resurrection did happen. And we are accepted. And our sins are gone. Why? Because he took them away. He took them away. He didn't cover them up. He didn't cover them over. He took them away. Your sins are gone. They're gone. I don't know where they went, but they're gone. He who knew no sin, God has made to be sin for us. He took them upon himself, in himself, overcame it, destroyed sin, and we're forgiven and cleansed. Isn't that good news? So the significance of these eight days, are there's so many details in there that I don't have time to go into, honestly, and don't even know all of them, but it's, it's an amazing thing. One of the reasons I have faith that all this stuff is true is because the remarkable, the absolute remarkable, miraculous fulfillment of every prophecy in the old, Jesus fulfilled in the new. Every one of them. Every single one of them. Down to the last detail. Because Paul did say, he said, uh, this this fulfilled, like the little foal, this fulfilled to fulfill the scriptures that forespoke uh, for of this event. He did it for that reason. So that your faith and my faith would have a strong basis in reality, not just in hope so. Because he is risen, we are risen. He's the first fruits of all the resurrected ones to come behind him, which is all of us. All of us. <laughs> okay, let me tell you one story and then I'll be through. You can have an early lunch. Back to the little lambs. Can you imagine in your mind? Just imagine with me for a moment that there's this family out in the, out in the boonies somewhere, three or four days' journey from Jerusalem by foot. And this little family, the head of the family, the, the father, starts making preparations for Passover. 
And he, he only has a little flock, but he's got one. And he goes out into his little flock and looks at the, all the new, the, the new the lambs and does his best to pick out the very best one, the one that appears to be the spotless one, the best one that he has. And he kisses his wife goodbye and his children. And he takes this little lamb and he heads out to Jerusalem on the journey. Takes him three, four days to get there. And this has been a tough year for the family. So his clothes are worn out and dirty and he's not looking his best, obviously. The man isn't. By the time he gets there, he's dusty and dirty and filthy. Been camping out. And headed to fulfill his obligations to Passover. And when he gets to the edge of the city, he sees, begins to see the tremendous crowds that are everywhere. And his heart begins to quicken and beat faster. And maybe a little lump comes into his throat at the thought of what he's about to do. And he begins, for the first time, to become self-aware. And he starts looking at himself. And he's, he's thinking, I'm, I'm a mess. I, I look awful. I don't, I hope, I hope, I hope no one looks at me. I hope no one looks at me. I hope no one notices me. Now, he needn't have had that thought, but we do, don't we? <laughs> don't you have that thought sometimes? I mean, look at me. He needn't have had that thought. And here's the reason why. No one in that crowd and not one of the priests are even going to notice him. Why? Because all eyes are on the Lamb. All eyes are on the Lamb. See, the priest doesn't examine the man. The priest examines the Lamb. And that priest, when he gets done examining that lamb, will make a pronouncement over that little lamb. And he will say this. He will say, I find no fault in it. It's not that I don't find fault in the man. I find no fault in it. Now, not only Pontius Pilate, but all of heaven has said that about your lamb and mine. Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There is no fault in him. 
No one is going to look at you. Their eyes are on the Lamb. It's Him, not us. It's Him. I find no fault in Him. He did it all. He did it all. He did everything. He took care of it all. He produced a new creation. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he has made them to be priests unto our God. A kingdom of priests unto our God. And they shall reign upon the earth. It's not behold the Lamb of God who may take away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who took who took away the sins of the world. He took them. All. All of them. All of them. Sin is no longer an issue. God did it. He took them. you're wrong if you think it was easy for him because it wasn't but he did it for me and for you he didn't just die for the world he died for you if you had been the only person on earth that needed that he would have done it for you and for me Lord, we thank you for your great sacrifice, for all that you've done, all you've accomplished. And Father, while I'm at it, I just want to tell you I admire how brilliant you are, (laughs) how smart you are, how all of this stuff fits together in a pattern and a mosaic that produces new creations like us. I don't know how you did it all, but I'm grateful that you did. Our faith is based on nothing less than the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And we're grateful for that, for the bedrock of that, for the truth of that and the reality of that. Because you were raised, because you were resurrected, we are resurrected. Through one man's sin entered into the world. Through another man, 
Resurrection came. Life came. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.